Welcome, friends, to another installment of our Sacred Secrets podcast, your safe space where we get to reconnect to ourselves and each other. Today, we are talking about beliefs. Where do we get them? How do we reinforce them or unlearn them? Life is trying, ain't no doubt about it. At times we get knocked down, you may fall flat. Don't be ashamed, we all been through that. My wonderful panel, Kinshasa, Marianne, and Jem, what do you think are the purpose of beliefs? I was looking at psychology today and saw an article about beliefs, and they describe it as beliefs are our brain's way of making sense of and navigating our complex world. So it's often concerned with understanding the cause of things. For some of our most important beliefs, we have no evidence at all, except that we love and trust and hold those beliefs. I like that. So pretty much we all can agree that beliefs are our ancestors and our brain's way of making sense of our world. It's a collection of ideas based on collective experience. And, and in essence, it's how we as a people ensure order and alliance. What is one of your most dearly held beliefs? Jem? My most dearly held belief is that people can change. That's been, I guess, the core of who I am and just the work I do. So I have to believe that. Otherwise, what's the point of the work? If people cannot change and people cannot grow into being something different, something better than how they started out. So I would say that's one of my core beliefs. And has your work kind of proven that to you or is it a challenge? Um, at times it can be a challenge. I would say when I was working with um, a, ju a juvenile population, that was challenging to see, you know, somebody cussing you out one day and then the next day they're all vulnerable and you could see that, you know, they're this way because they've been hurt and they can be another way. When you do the work, it's reflecting back to them. And then they do feel, okay, somebody believes I can change. Yes, maybe I can change. Maybe I can be a different, be a different gem. I can be a different Terry. I can be a different um, Kinshasa, Marianne, whoever. But it also sounds as if you are maintaining a space to kind of absorb that inconsistency, you know, like you're high one minute, you're vulnerable the next, and kind of factoring that in. So I think it's that combination of acceptance, creating that space, allowing people just to be who they are. Yeah, but that's just us all as human beings, right? We're never going to always be who people want us to be. But yes, you got to have to just understand that they can get yeah. there. And so that's my, I think that's one of my core beliefs that people can get there. And Marianne, what's one of your most dearly held beliefs? I was listening to this YouTube channel called The Big Think. And they were talking about that there was a study in the 1930s that they did in a, a Boston boys school where they split up 500 boys into one group where they helped more boys than the others. And the second group, they just left them to their own devices. And when they followed up like 40 years later, they found out that the guys or the little boys that they helped out the most had significantly higher incidences of suicide, drug abuse. And so the reason why I bring that up is because one of the things that the article said from Psychology Today is that your belief is formed by if A happens, then we assume that the cause is B. 
And I, I wonder if the boys growing up felt like, oh, I had all of this help and this group didn't have all this help. I'm weaker than the other team. I feel like a lot of my dearly held beliefs are kind of based on that. Growing up in the environment that I grew up in, I formed certain beliefs and then I made these faulty assumptions or correlations that didn't 100% make sense or was good for me as I got older. And so I wouldn't necessarily say that they're dearly held beliefs, but I could say that these are two beliefs that I, I think are foundational. And the first belief is that it's more important to have relationships with family and maintain relationships with family versus having relationships with people outside. So as a result of that, I don't have a lot of friends. And then the second one is that you should wait for your friends, family, or intimate partners to reciprocate in kind. You shouldn't ask people to fulfill your beliefs. And I think when I listened to T.D. Jake's sermon and he talks about gallon-sized people versus pint-sized people, I was like, yeah, I'm gallon-sized person because I'm such a giver. And then I was like, but you know what? You really don't give people a chance to fulfill your needs because you never actually um, know how to verbalize the need or know that it's a need, all you're, you're busy doing is giving. And so I wouldn't necessarily say it's dearly held beliefs, but I, I definitely think that these are kind of core foundational beliefs that I have that influence me today still. I feel that sometimes when people like go above and beyond to the point where they're trying to remove all obstacles from a person's path, that's when it becomes really dysfunctional. Can you, you remember that story about the man who was um, passing a butterfly, who was trying to work itself out of the cocoon. And in his kindness, he decided to let me just like do a little slit to help the butterfly because it's struggling too much. And when the poor butterfly emerged, it was like the bottom was heavy. The man, of course, didn't realize that the whole struggle was what allowed the butterfly to be formed in the way that allowed it to fulfill its purpose of flying. Kinshasa, how about you? Do you have any dearly held beliefs? I believe that there's a higher power. I believe in God. I'm starting to believe that I no longer need to avoid emotional pain. Amen to that. Yeah, it's okay to sit with it. You know, I feel like even though we're given new information, we still continue to hold on to our, our old beliefs. Even though we're we're given we're shown evidence that that belief is not true, we're still trying to fit it into that mold. Why is that though? Isn't that the truth? Why is that? I think because it's more comfortable. It's something we're used to. Change is yeah. easy. Change doesn't feel good. That's true. You know, so yep. you're forty something, fifty something years old, thinking the same thing all this time, and then you get ex exposed to something new. You're going to try and rationalize it. Yeah. You know, so that it fits in what you already know to be true or you've assumed to be true all this time. It's a fascinating topic. It is. I also think some of it has to do with your identity and the belief system is part of your identity. So then when you don't have that, then who am I now? And that takes courage. To actually like that self-awareness and that willingness to kind of like challenge that, like it's no longer serving me. 
But for if I were to delete it, then it's going to completely disconnect me from an entire community. And that is scary. One of my most dearly held beliefs was actually a new belief. It made sense to me. So like I was going through the very painful loss of my dad and I had a supervisor at the time who said to me, you know, your dad is now in heaven and he's having a closer walk with God. And as a result, you now have an advocate in heaven. So your prayers will now go quicker to God. And it doesn't make any, you know, for me, it brings comfort. And like when kids have loss, I'll actually repeat that back to them. Um, Whether or not it's true, it it doesn't even make any difference to me. I just love it. And I'm like, this is something I'm going to hold on to, even though there's no evidence of it. I think it's something I'm going to be resilient with holding on to. Yeah, because then there's hope, you know. Absolutely, because it's like this whole finality of death. Nobody has ever returned to tell us exactly what it is. And when they've returned, it's like um, what they've described. It's so otherworldly and so surreal that it's hard for people to actually absorb whatever it is that people have, you know, spoken about or, you know, that experience of um, the near-death experience that they had. So guys, do you think beliefs are easy to obtain and release? I think they're definitely easy to obtain because a lot of it is just, you know, as a child, you're, you're reacting and taking in what's in your environment. But to release it is a whole nother story, especially if you've had negative core beliefs for 10, 20, 30 years. It's going to be hard to make that shift. You know, if you've been thinking, have a negative core belief that, you know, you're not good enough, you know, you're not smart, you're not, you're, you're overweight, you don't look good. It's Mm -hmm. going to hard to change those um, negative beliefs. I think that that especially negative core beliefs are, are even harder to release. You know, the whole thing about it as well with these negative core beliefs, the worst thing is that it kind of like it's absorbed in the subconscious mind mm-hmm. and then it, it goes on autopilot. Yeah, And that's the challenging thing. Because you ever find yourself in situations where you're like, why am I still believe in this when I thought I had gotten rid of this belief years ago, but it just kind of pops up. You ever had that out of body experience that you're, it's happening and you're like, why am I behaving in this way? Because I no longer believe this. This doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that because one of the other articles I was reading was really talking about the fact that beliefs are resistance to resistant to fact. And You know, you you see it so much in the environment now um, in the U.S. and really globally and and just in general, you know, once you once this belief has been created, we live in this echo chamber, you know, and the echo chamber is we're around our family, we're around people who believe as we do. And so it gets reinforced in the environment as well. And it's it's no wonder that even when confronted with the fact that this isn't working or this might not be true, they're like, well, the echo chamber that I'm in believes this and I do as well. So I, I think that is definitely important to just remember that even though 
we can rationalize it and think it through. Uh, I believe that there are certain situations that you're just confronted with and you just go right back to that old belief that you had had because, again, they're resistant to fact. It's that nice, snuggly blanket, like what Kinshasa kind of mentioned earlier, that whole yes. familiarity. And uh-huh. also, it's al- it's also keeping you connected to that community. Because remember, again, you know, change in beliefs, it's some huge consequences when you change beliefs. Is there a belief that you held firmly to, but has changed? Kinshasa, I'll start with you. I think that one thing that I have been able to try and shift more often, because I don't always do it, um, is no longer taking what a person says at face value and putting greater importance on their actions. Oh, that's a good one. Believing what someone says and then getting disappointed when they don't do what they said they're going to do for the 10th time. It's like, okay, because before Kinshasa, I was about to be like "Mm, a little harsh, but then I'm like, okay, pattern is what you're looking at. Yep. I agree with you. And I think, and I think who you have in your circle also will either foster these negative beliefs or not, you know? So I think that's important too. Oh, without a doubt. Because oftentimes when you're trying to change your belief, sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes you are going to need to take yourself, remove yourself from that environment. Yeah. And Marianne, um, any beliefs that you had, firmly held belief that has currently changed? I used to listen to Darren Hardy all the time. And I think Terry, you knew I was obsessed with uh, listening oh to God. everything Darren Hardy. <laughs> and I start rolling the eyes when she's like, Darren Hardy says, I'm like, oh, here we come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for anybody who doesn't know who he is, I he was like the editor of Success Magazine. He wasn't. He is an entrepreneur, and he talks about like using your time like a business. And in a way, it would be good if we treated our beliefs like that. For example, you know, every fiscal year, a business looks at their beliefs, looks at their strategy, looks at where they're going, what they want to do, and you know, then they put into place plans in order to achieve that. Now, I'm not saying that we have to be that strict. As a matter of fact, I personally haven't been that strict with myself, but I think it warrants some thought on how you can adapt that for yourself. Because I think that as I get older, um, you have to assess, you know, what you have in your life so far. And if your life is a reflection of your beliefs, you know, when I look at the different types of beliefs, uh, um, relationships that I have with coworkers, family, friends, intimate partners, I don't necessarily like what it is that I'm seeing. So my inability to connect with people outside my family, my inability to tell people what I need or even recognize what it is that I need until I'm totally frustrated and I'm ready to just be done with everything. I, I think that those beliefs definitely have a shelf life. And uh, I'd like to develop different beliefs of how I'm going to handle these types of relationships and and just the person who I am when I'm interacting with these different groups of people, because I want a different outcome in my life later on. I I don't want to keep my my space so small. Even though I have a large family, I'd like to include um, other people in addition to my family as well um, in order to to just have a, a fuller and richer life. 
and I also think just just the phrase that you're using, like um, your inability, and it's not about ability. It's about willingness to be uncomfortable. That's it in a nutshell, especially when you're going outside your comfort zone. I won't forget like um, one of our co- podcasts, Jem had made mention of the fact that you want a com- if you want a certain type of community, you're going to have to be willing to participate. And yes, people forget that we totally actually, that. yeah, that that's needed. You can't have people wanting like, good morning, um, good morning, Marianne, and you don't you don't respond in kind. So, you know, eventually that door closes. And Jim, any beliefs that you held that no longer serves you? And which one is it? The first one is when you come to America, you kind of want stuff. (laughs) So I realized over time I have been collecting too much stuff. So I have gotten to a place where I want to just be like very minimalist. So that belief has set hole in me now, as opposed to like the more stuff you have, the more, you know, you are anchored to your place. Like you're more at home, you have a home set up and this mentality, like, you know, okay, I need a living room set. I need this. I need that. Like, I don't have right now a coffee table and I don't plan to ever have one, which is totally different than how I kind of thought before. I need this. I need the formal living room. I need this. I need that. And It just has been a reflection of how I think in terms of that I need stuff to anchor me, to have a home, to have a proper life. You know, I know that seems true, but that's one of the beliefs. And it's the expanded culture to Jim. Yes. It's like if you go to Guyanese people, oh, my God, there's all these little tchotchkes and all these little decorations. And it just it can be so stifling. It can be so cluttering. And I want to get away from that. So I think. This thing of trying to be more minimalist is a belief system that does not align with my um, cultural original culture. Yeah, because your belief is going to lead into your value system and it's going to lead into your actions you take in life. Right. So for me, that belief system that I need more stuff, I need a proper living room set, I need a proper dining room set, I need a kitchen set, I need this and that. And that has gotten me amassing all this stuff over my lifetime. And I just, you know, that doesn't serve me anymore. I just want to be very clutter-free and minimalist. That is something that I can totally relate to. I am a 100% a minimalist. Uh, Terry and the family love to make fun oh, of me. That I love yeah, I like, Marin I, is. Oh my God. As soon as something yeah. doesn't fit or as soon as I feel like I'm accumulating too much stuff, I just yeah, it's start gone. getting it. Yeah, it, that stuff has a shelf life. But Marianne, it has to be a certain lightness to your spirit when you're like that. It has oh, to be. Oh, she can't find things. That's a lightness. I feel like. Mary made made something to me, Jim, and I'm trying to have that define my life, but it's, it's a lot of work in progress where she said, every, everything has to have a home. You know, that's the whole part of organization where if (laughs) the reason why I, there's so much clutter in my space or it can be so much clutter in my space is that I have too much stuff. It's hard to let go of the stuff though. Because that belief that you, you're going to use it and it's wasteful to throw out something, that whole thing just kind of, you know, Oh, it's ridiculous. You. You, yeah. So I'm, well, I'm, that's because you I'm guys trying are to get away from it. I really am. Versus I don't have an em- emotional connection necessarily to these things. When Terry buys something, she asks herself, do you love it? Meanwhile, I'm like, is it functional? <laughs> yes. 
It's true. <laughs> and then like people be like, Terry, I love this. I'm like, oh, you can't have it. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, just like it. Oh, it no. belongs in a place where it's loved or it will be loved. So have it. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and then sometimes I'll be like, um, Marin, was I in the right place when I gave you that? Hmm? Oh my God. She totally does that too. She'll say <laughs> no, something that she gave I see myself to- giving up that. You sure? <laughs> all right. Yeah. You do it all the time, especially if it's something that you love. She'll look at it yeah. and be like, did I give that to you? Are you sure? <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> And Gem, it's so funny that you talk about cultural beliefs, because certainly we are informed by our culture. Let me tell you, there's Jamaicans have this belief, right? And I realized years later that it kind of leads to a fear of happiness. So there's this phrase that it says, I'm going to give you the whole, you know, the the actual phrasing. It's a, we're sweet, you soon, so are you. So the whole thing is like, you know, the the layman tran- translation, of course, is what what sweets you will soon sour you. And the problem yes. with that is it doesn't allow you to actually embrace your happy moments because you're dreading what disaster is about to strike. So you're always happy, but, you know, you'll be happy, but on guard. And I'm like, is that true happiness if you're happy with constantly being on guard? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Like and I too. and I get why mm-hmm. we would have had that as a culture where, you know, I understand the dangers of overconfidence because it can cause carelessness when you're just like in this total state of euphoria. But, and our, you know, again, our beliefs are intended to ensure our survival. So it's funny. Um, one day I was walking in a store and I saw this beautiful magnet and I purchased it with the intention of kind of giving myself that constant reminder. And you know what it said? The magnet says, sometimes too much of a good thing can be wonderful. Isn't that lovely? I love that. Exactly. Especially because as a child, I used to hear that saying all the time. Because yep. I, I, I think I must have liked to laugh too much or something. And they'll be like, listen, man, what, <laughs> it sweets you now, but it, it's going to sour you soon enough. All right. Because I think I must have been like just a chronic a cackler. No she was a chronic cackler. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cackler, that's in. exactly right. It's true. And what did it do to your laugh? You must have been like, <laughs> right? That laugh uh, kind of like well, got stuck in the throat for a minute. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because I remember one time um, I was home. Daddy had said something <laughs> and I started cackling. I couldn't even tell you what daddy said, but I just thought it was so funny. And he was so upset that I was laughing at him. I had to swallow the laugh. Like, <laughs> we just swallow that down real <laughs> quick. That's <laughs> joy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And Kinshasa, it's funny that you had also said something earlier where you talked about, you know, like sitting with emotional pain. And that's certainly something new for me as well. And I think to our culture, because our culture is all about um, pleasure seeking. So, you know, we are taught avoid anything that causes you pain. Now, there's this dude, his name is David Goggins. Like he puts a whole definition, a whole redefinition to this thing. Like he literally runs towards the pain. Oh, wow. It's funny to like recently in um, I was working out with a trainer and he had made 
a statement which I was just like, wow, this is big. I, you know, of course, I thought about our podcast. So what happened is that I'd gone um, hiking in the Grand Canyon like years ago and had sustained like a overuse injury, like to the right knee area. And ever so often, if I overdo it, I start feeling pain in the knee. So we're training and he's having me do some squats. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable. So I really have to stop. So he does an assessment on my knee. And as he's doing the assessment, I'm realizing at the same token that it has nothing to do with my knee. And he calls it out. He says, you know, the areas that you would have that level of, of pain, um, that's not bothering you. So he says, I think it's all in your mind and you're going to have to push through this. And I'm like, how many times do we do that to ourselves? Like you have some negative experience, it becomes like this adverse reaction and it causes you mm. to kind of limit yourself and stay in this self-limiting way versus pushing beyond it to, you know, your new beginning then. Wow, that's deja vu, Terry, because I have the same exact story. Yes, tell me. With my therapist doing physical therapy on my back and yeah. being frightened to do the, the exercise because I'm afraid I'm going to hurt my back again. Yes. That fear of having that pain again has limited me and my mobility for over four years now. Wow. So real deja vu right there. Yeah. And Kinshasa, I want to hear something. The fear is real because the main thing about it, when you're doing things the right way, then at least you don't have to think about it. You know what I'm saying? Because it is a level of carelessness. If you're like, you know what? I'm going to work through this fear today. Then you're putting yourself in the wrong position because everything is about yeah. taking patience and putting yourself where you need to be in order to align, you know, align your body in the way that it's going to be able to support whatever movement that you're going to be doing. And it's taking the time mm -hmm. to learn the foundation, but also trusting that your learning is going to bring something, you know, bring something productive, bring your healing. Yeah. So guys, are there any little tricks of the trade or any um, skills that you can tell us that you've used to overcome like a distorted belief? I have no tricks. I think that the most important thing that I am trying to do now is just recognizing when the beliefs are um, impacting me or, or making me um, go back to old methods of coping. And yeah. so, you know, if something happens and I find myself like contracting, because that's what I do, that's one of my coping mechanisms, I contract within myself. When the, the fact that I'm able to recognize that I'm doing that now when something happens, I think that's at least a first step to yeah. recovery in a way. Oh, absolutely. Self-awareness is, is such a small thing, but it's, it's everything. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And Jem? I think just taking it in small steps and not um, faulting yourself for making a misstep. So like, I think the last seven years before coming to Georgia, living in my apartment, I had to buy um, very specific small items 
house. And now that I'm in a big house, I find that I'm kind of making a step back and feeling like, oh, well, I got to fill up the house. So <laughs> I'm at the point where I'm celebrating, okay, this was a win being able to buy the house, but I still want to just be you know, intentional in my purchases and not clutter it up and not feel um, like I'm taking a step back. So forgiving yourself and just taking small steps. I think um, when you have a belief system that's been since childhood, it can be difficult to um, to change. But just for me, taking small steps, also, you know, surrounding yourself with people. So I'm going to have to cling to Marianne to get that minimalist state Yes, yes. I'm going to have to seek out Marianne's guidance. <laughs> you know, um, and there was a show, I forget the name of the show that uh, oh, Marie, Kondo. Marie Kondo. Oh, that's her. her. Yes, I saw just like a few shows, but I was like, man, she is so precise with this. Yes. I have to get back into that to kind of like, you know, kind of re energize me. But like I say, small steps you know forgive yourself if you kind of slip back into it because it's so hard and surrounding yourself with uh people and ideas that you want to aspire to you know form as your new belief system i would say kinshasha you know it's funny just this topic alone has you know started me thinking about some of my beliefs yeah so I'm in my 40s and now I'm I'm now starting to think about certain things. But I think Girl, I'm just, happy you started no verses on your deathbed. This is the I time. It's better late than never, right? Hello. Yep. Absolutely. So, and I really have been thinking about different things. And I think just questioning negative beliefs that I've had, starting to question it yeah. is um, is a start. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've, I've started to do that, like to, to avoid emotional pain. I haven't started to do it yet, but I'm aware of it. Yeah. So I'm in the early stages. <laughs> no, because Kinshasa, at the end of the day, the only time that we generally take a look at beliefs is when we're in crisis. It's uncommon yeah. that things are like, you know, going well, there's no complaints and mm-hmm. you decide, okay, let me see what I can spruce up in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So self-awareness as well. Yeah. And, and for me, it's um, trying to do the, you know, the whole power of repetition and practice because it's like, and, and it's so hard because I'll be doing well like a week and I feel like I let the reins go. And I forget, no, it's going to be a lifelong commitment. And it's not to be exhausted by it because just as what you said, Jim, it's really about the small steps. Yes, T, I totally agree with you on that. Remember I had said like um, like in one of the first podcasts that, you know, I think of myself as a project. Yes. Now I started seeing that as exhausting. So I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Oh, thank God. Marin, I was exhausted when you were telling me. <laughs> So and yeah, so oh yeah. Now go ahead. I've reframed it. I've reframed it. I've decided that the reason why I want these rhythms, these routines in my life is because I'm looking for life balance. And yes. 
seeking life balance for me, I'm more motivated to do that versus thinking of all of these things as a, it's a checklist that I have to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And task oriented. Cause let me tell you, I, Marin would be like doing her German and I'm like, Oh God, this is so great. <laughs> I'm so lazy right now. Okay. Let me go watch Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, you are always like on your checklist for like self-improvement, which is also very admirable. I mean, I'll do it, but then I have my moments where I literally have to divorce myself from it because it, it's really labor intensive mentally, that is. Yes. So on that note, guys, we are closing our podcast on beliefs. We now know that beliefs serve their purpose. It can either bring intimacy, boldness, and joy, or beliefs can so fear, discord, and worsen trauma. For those beliefs that allow you the strength to soar in this beautiful, messy life, hold on to them. Be diligent in releasing those beliefs that are limiting to your growth and toxic to your relationships. Will it be challenging? Absolutely. But commit yourself to daily awareness, repetition, and practice to rebuild solid beliefs. Take small steps, be gentle and kind with yourself, and in the words of Mark Twain, it ain't what you know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that ain't so. And as we always say in our community, guys, we got your back. We got your back.